and welcome to the For the One podcast. Today we are talking about the story of the prodigal son found in Luke chapter 15 and how pride is exemplified in both brothers. Let's get started. In Luke chapter 15, tax collectors and sinners were gathering around to hear Jesus. But Pharisees and the teachers of the law were like, hey, this dude is supposed to be a spiritual leader. Why is he hanging around with these sinners? Jesus gave them the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, as well as the parable of the lost son. Each exemplify God's love and compassion going after those that are lost from his kingdom. Today, we're diving into the story of the lost son in verses 11 through 32. Verse 11 says, Jesus continued, There was a young man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he had came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me one of like your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, grab the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let us have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed a fattened calf because he is home safe and sound. The older brother became so angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Well, Jesus, Jesus be spitting fire. I don't know how else to say it. He has such good analogies and stories because I for sure would not have thought of this myself. So, a little bit of summary. This is a parable, and parables are basically stories representing God's kingdom. In the sense, the Father represents God our Father. The Son that ran away represents all humanity, because we all fall short, that has left God and pursued things of the flesh. While the brother also represents people who have been faithful to God. 
If y'all didn't notice in the beginning, the brother asked for his inheritance to the estate. And now luckily, this is an easy application for us because we still have inheritances in this culture in our day. But basically he was saying, Father, I wish you were dead and I want all your money. Like, what? He basically might as well have said, Dad, like, you're dead to me. And it is safe to say that most of us relate to the lost son in the sense that, not that we wish our parents were dead. No, no, no. But in this, <laughs> in the sense that we've ran from God and indulged in sin. The son, he came to a point where he was wishing that he could at least eat the slop that the pigs were eating. He probably thought so lowly of himself for the things that he had done. He told his father, peace out, dad. You're dead to me. I'm going to go party with the girls. Wasted all the money probably thought so lowly of himself for the things he had done and maybe even reveled in his failures, like saying, ugh, like, I can't believe I did this. And you may be thinking, okay, what's this got to do with pride? Literally, it's in the title. You told me earlier, like, he's literally at his lowest point. He's shameful. He feels ashamed. If someone dislikes themselves and thinks that they are unworthy of redemption, like, that's the furthest thing from pride. Actually, recently it was revealed to me on the contrary. A friend of mine in my small group kind of was explaining it to me, this revelation that she had last year in her Bible study. And basically she put it like, if you don't think you deserve the love of God, if you think you are beyond repair, that is pride saying to you that you don't think God is capable of saving or loving you. Like, it's pride thinking that you have exceeded God's capabilities. Like, you're beyond His measure. When we think of pride, we think of someone on their high horse, all hoity-toity, like, oh, look at me, pride. This kind of pride that this brother is exemplifying is on the complete opposite end of the spectrum of saying, oh, like, not even God can save me from this. And it's like, no, that's the complete other end of the spectrum of pride is saying like oh no god isn't capable of helping me well then you're just saying like oh are you better than god that is what pride is and now in the scripture it doesn't explicitly say that the son felt this way but being at his load's point we can like we can only imagine he felt that way because i'm sure we have too but when the son came back to the father The Father fully accepted him. And God fully embraces us when we come running back to him, repenting of our sin. He celebrates at our return home. He kills that fattened calf. He gets you your favorite meal. He said, put on the finest things. We're putting on a party for him. And y'all, did you notice in verse 20, it says, But while he was still the son, while he was still a long way off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion for him, ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. While he was still a long way off, the father greeted him while he was far away, and he didn't wait for him to come all the way home. He didn't wait on the porch in his rocking chair being like, "Mm mm-hmm, about time you showed up. No. Like, God doesn't sit up on a comfy throne in heaven, impatiently waiting for us to get our acts together to perfection. 
No, he runs to us and embraces us while we are still broken. Romans 5, 8, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If God was waiting for us to be perfect, Jesus wouldn't have come back yet. Or he wouldn't have come in the first place yet if he were still waiting for us to be perfect. While we are still sinners, Christ died for us. He is the one that washes us of our imperfections and purifies us. Y'all, one time, a friend of mine, it was really sweet. We were driving in the car and we were going from one place to another with each other, like meeting different people. And the sky was so beautiful. The clouds were about, but then it was still really sunny. So you could see the sun rays shining through the clouds. And she asked me, she was like, is there anything that you ever thought of that's like kind of childlike in your faith that like you just imagine when something happens? I don't think that was exactly how she put it, but it was something along those lines. Because she pointed to the beams of light in the sky and she said, whenever I see the sunlight like that, I think it's souls that had died being taken up to heaven. And so I say a prayer for those people and for their families. Like how so, like so, so sweet. And maybe it is, like, we don't know. And so she asked me, she was like, do you have something like that? And I couldn't think of it at the moment. But then I remembered, whenever I'm in Sunday morning church, or just anywhere that this happens, and people get in the baptistry, and they're preparing, and the person baptizing them is saying something about how they've come to this point in their faith, and why they want to make this proclamation. And they're baptized and everyone claps and it's so glorious because hallelujah another person saved but while this is all happening while they're getting ready like the speech before they do get baptized I picture (laughs) y'all I picture angels like funneling in to old-fashioned movie theater seats like red velvet movie theater seats and it's the last two coming in and they're like oh did we miss it did we miss it and they all have these pop like big huge things of popcorn in their hands and they barely get in two bites after sitting down before the person is immersed in water dead to their sins and rises again a new person and the angels just get up jump raging out of their seats and they're like ah, yeah, oh my goodness and popcorn is flying everywhere and that was my, like, that was my childlike thought in my faith. And it just made me smile. But then I was also thinking about it in the sense of, like, that is how heaven celebrates when we come back to God, when we are that prodigal son running home. There are angels throwing movie theater popcorn everywhere. I mean, not really, but they're celebrating so big and so loud and so joyously for the prodigal son who has come home. And you think, okay, so like, ah, that's so hype. That's so great. But like you mentioned, like, what about the other brother who stayed home? Like, yeah, he's not like the moral of the story, but like, he's kind of in there. You mentioned him, like, what's that about? The other brother, the one who faithfully worked and stuck by his father's side throughout the years. It's understandable. Like it said, he was angry. That was his first reaction. Like so understandable that he would be angry. I would be too. Like, honestly, I'm bringing up this, the brother in this story because sometimes I relate to him. Like, he's like, man, I've been so faithful and I've been by your side and doing your work and they've been running off and disrespecting you and wish you for dead. And sometimes I wonder, maybe this is just intrusive thoughts or just the human in me, 
But it's like, well, if they're doing it, like, why shouldn't I? Like, if God's going to redeem us anyway, and, like, both of our sins stain us just as equally, might as well go big or go home, right? Of course, this is just, like, my thoughts. I, I've i never acted on this go big or go home thing because, honestly, I'm just a scared little person. I think it'd freak me out too much. And, like, I've been so faithful, yet others have lived in sin. Like, yet we get the same inheritance in the kingdom of God. And... This representation of the other brother who stayed with God is the most prominent form of pride that we see in this story of him being like, hey, and like, sometimes I have to check myself on this when I think like, oh yeah, like there's nothing I would change in my life. There's nothing I would change about me. I have to stop and be like, hold up, girl. Do you hear yourself? You're an imperfect human. You're broken. Ask God right now, like what needs to be fixed in you? What needs to be refined in me? And I have to stop and say like, whoa now, whoa now. Yes, grace is made all the more prominent through more sins, but like I'm still a sinner. Both are equally redeemed, those who are faithful to God and those who are coming to God after being unfaithful to him. God doesn't want, like we don't go big or go home in our sin because God doesn't want us to live a life that ultimately hurts us. And if you're like me and occasionally related to the older brother who remained faithful and was kind of upset and prideful when the other brother came home, like just picture the beauty of the lost one reuniting, being renewed and pursuing God's intentions for them. I actually know people in my life who have seen this play out and it's so beautiful. Like picture that beauty and that redemption then you can't help but rejoicing and joining in the celebration because they are home. Like it said in verse 32, but we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he was found. Amazing grace. Hallelujah. Amen. The Bible says to flee from sin, not to see how close you can get to the line before crossing it. We as humans see sin as a hierarchy like oh i've only ever told a little white lie or only cheated to get a good grade on the test you know glorify you god with my grades like no um we see sin as a hierarchy like oh i've only done something small but they killed someone they committed adultery they did xyz like that is where pride gets you honestly that comparison right there of the brother being like I stayed faithful and I might have only disobeyed you once but he's disobeyed you all these years. No. God sees sin all the same. It's detestable to him and he cannot stand to be near it. Like that's why we're separated from him at this present time. But that's also what proves what immense love he has for us. That even though we are wretched and covered in that pig slop and left the father for dead, being like, peace out, homie, I'm going to go party. Like, while we were far off, the father ran to us. For the one who's the prodigal son, know that height, nor depth, nor angels or demons, nor nothing can separate you from the love of Christ Jesus that he has for you. For the one who is the older brother in this story. Focus on the joy of the celebration that you get to welcome your brother home. And, you know, also remember that we're all still sinners and we're all still broken and God sees it the same.
for the one who's listening. Jesus loves you. God bless. Hey, y'all. Thanks again for listening to the For The One Podcast. Remember to follow along on our Instagram at ForTheOnePodcast underscore. And go ahead and subscribe to this podcast on your listening platform. Feel free to leave comments as I'd love to hear what you have to say. Thanks again for listening. Peace out.